Coming up on The Dr. John Deloney Show. What are you seeing as the state of relationships? Yeah, they're a mess. Our non-relational, patriarchal, individualistic culture does not teach men and women the skills we need to pull this off. I love that you call them skills. Yo, 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 what's up? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show. I hope you're doing well. Hope your families are good. Even your pet families. Today only, today only, even your pet families. How about that? Um, on this show, we talk about mental health, relationships. We talk about everything on this show. Y'all know that. Um, if you want to be on this show, go to johndeloney.com slash ask, A-S-K, and fill out the internet form, and it will shoot over to Kelly and sidekick Jenna. Jenna's been helping a lot. Jenna's crushing it back there, Jenna's ears. Um, and um, if you want to not go on the internets because you were born in the 14th century like me, you can use the telephone device. 1-844-693-3291. It's 1-844-693-3291. You can leave a message. So today is a special, special show. This is a, this is a, uh, this is just awesome. Um, and I'm kind of even tongue-tied about it. Right after I graduated um, with my counseling degree and I had moved to Nashville, my life was in a mess. Things were just sideways. Um, I had finished my research. I was trying to figure out how to be married in this new town. I was figuring out a new job. I was trying to figure out how to be a dad. Everything was just a wreck. And um, I stumbled on a podcast. It was Dr. Peter Atia. And he was ranting and raving about this book by the one and only Terrence Real, Terry Real. And the book is called, I Don't Want to Talk About It. So I picked up the book and I finished it in a, in a single season, single reading season. And I remember closing the book at my kitchen table and I put my head down on the table and wept in a way that I haven't probably ever, um, or maybe just a few times. And it was a before and after moment. Things have to be different now. And I've given that book out, good grief. And y'all have heard me talk about this book. I've, I've told people they need to go get that book and read it. Um, wives read it, husbands read it, everybody needs to read it. And I'm excited to say on today's show, we have the one and only Terry Real as my guest. And as you listen to the show, you'll think, ah, uh, Deloney says that a lot. A lot of it I got from him. He's the guru. Um, you've heard me talk about Esther Perel. He is who she calls when she needs some support. He is who people call all, all, all over the, the world. People reach out to him for his expertise in relationships. Um, on the show, we talk about trauma a little bit. We talk about what's wrong with modern therapy and some things that he is a vocal proponent of changing when it comes to therapy. We talk about loneliness. We talk about relationships, marriage. We talk about what, what can that husband do when his wife is struggling, what that wife can do when the husband's struggling. We talk about everything. We talk about his new book called Us. Everything in between. As all interviews with me go, there's going to be some stuff you disagree with. Great. There's going to be some stuff that you're like, whoa, I never thought about that. Anything deeper into that. Fantastic. Some of it you're going to think all in all the time. Great. What I like to do is to bring people who have moved me and motivated me and challenged me and made me think deeply, people I vehemently disagree with, and people on who check all those boxes and have a conversation with them and bring that conversation to you. So here's my conversation with Terry Real. All right, so Terry Real, so I was telling you off air how important um, 
this opportunity to speak to you is. And when, when we first sat down and started the podcast a couple of years ago, and it's taken off when we started discussing interviews, there was always, hey, give us a list, Talona, give us a list. All of those lists, you were number one. And mm-hmm. um, for, for a number of reasons, here's the main reason. I graduated um, with my fancy pants counseling PhD. I thought I was the smartest idiot in the room. <laughs> and then I stumble across, um, I was really interested in how nutrition interacted with mental health. And so I was um, an early uh, student, if you will, from via the internet of Dr. Tia, who then said, hey, there's this one book. And so here I am, this fancy graduate, and I go pick up, I don't want to talk about it. And I bet I've given that book out 200 times in the past few years. It mm-hmm. is easily the number one most important nonfiction book I've ever read. And mm-hmm. it, I, I remember being so deflated, thinking, how did I get through an entire program and nobody told me this? And it was a paradigm shape shifter, um, especially I, my, my focus is my research is on working with people who had quote unquote made it and then found themselves isolated and alone and they melt everybody around them. And then here was this masterpiece that you wrote. So on behalf of all, especially of us men, but of the, of the spouses and everybody, thank you for putting that into the world. All right. So here's question number one. Uh, this is a conversation about the current state of relationships and coming out of COVID relationships in general, whether they're work relationships, dating relationships, marriage relationships, parenting, everything feels like a mess. Where are you seeing the state of relationships? I know that's a broad question. Answer it as you will. Um, what are you seeing as the state of relationships? Yeah, they're a mess. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're a mess for a couple of reasons. Um, well, one is, uh, I've written about this pretty extensively. Um, things are changing. And we're not completely caught up with ourselves. Uh, in heterosexual relationships, I believe that uh, women across the board, north, south, east, west, whatever, are asking for new levels of emotional connection and intimacy from us men, then we raise boys and men to deliver. Hmm. Um, What it means to be a man traditionally is to be invulnerable. The more invulnerable you are, the more manly you are, the more vulnerable you are, the more girly you are. And that is true to this day. Hmm. Uh, You may... Uh, raise your son differently in your little hothouse nuclear family. But trust me, that kid knows the score once he hits the playground. That's right. Uh, women, uh, girls and women have changed dramatically over the last 50 years and us guys have not. And there's a role disjuncture. Uh, women want men to be vulnerable. They want men to share their feelings, to uh, be compassionate to the woman's feelings to be, you know, we've never wanted more from our relationships than we want right now. Hmm. In our grandparents' generation, you know, you got along, nobody beat anybody, nobody cheated or drank too much, you were okay. Nowadays, uh, we want long walks on the beach, holding hands and heart-to-heart talks and great sex and there are six. We really want to be lifelong lovers Hmm. that are non-relational, patriarchal, individualistic culture does not teach men and women the skills we need Mm -hmm. to 
pull this off. And uh, people have outsized ambition about wanting to be close for life, but we just don't know how to do it. We don't know how to stand up for ourselves and be loving at the same time. We don't know how to listen to our partners and not get defensive. We don't know how to repair when the wheels come off. We don't know how to negotiate. We don't know how to cherish a lot of us guys. And uh, you know, I would like basic relationship skills taught in uh, elementary school and junior high and high, but we don't do that. I love and, that you call them skills. Um, when, when I encourage couples to practice things, they look at me like I'm nuts. And if we can distill these things down into a series of skills that we just don't have. Um, okay, so um, help me with this. I'm a lifelong Texan. I was born and raised in Texas before I came here, and 99% of the stereotypes are accurate, right? So what do I do to with, with um, sitting by the man who says, all right, I sat down and told my wife how I felt, and she has bought into the I don't want some vulnerable man either. Um, like she's playing, she's contributing to, right? Also funny, John, that is the first thing I hear from guys every time I talk about (laughs) Well, I want to, but my chick doesn't really want me to. So is that nonsense? Is it just nonsense? Well, it's a mixed bag. Look, when I talk about the culture of patriarchy, uh, women participate in that culture just like men do. Ah. Uh, but women are giving us guys mixed messages. On the one hand, uh, I want you to be strong. I don't want you to be, you know, a wimp. On the other hand, uh, I want you to be able to share your your feelings. And then when you do, I might get uncomfortable when you do. So, okay, like be a man. Like say to your gal, excuse me, wasn't that you just telling me you want me to <laughs> Now that I do, like you're ready to put an apron on me. Give me a break. Like you got me coming and going. Confront the issue of the mixed message because that is true. But don't take that as an excuse to lay down and not listen to the other half of the message. Look, what we know from research is that we human beings connect through vulnerability. Hmm. That's That's how we share uh, emotionally. And uh, it, being vulnerable is news to uh, a lot of men, certainly Texas guys. And, <laughs> hey, Boston you, guys too. Boston guys too. Well, it's true. It's just a <laughs> different way of doing it. That's right. And, and, um, <laughs> uh, and, and gals too. I had a, speaking about Boston, I had a, a gal, a blue collar Boston Irish, you know, Boston Southie kind of Matt Damon plays in, in the movies. And uh, I said, how, how, how are you doing? And she said, good. And I said, can you give me two syllables? And <laughs> she said, good. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, hey, let's talk about um, something that's become an obsession of mine over the last decade. If you were to ask me what are, if I was to distill down the a, a cornerstone issue, the word I would give you is pathological loneliness. 
I feel like we have a, the like an incredibly lonely culture, and I was so grateful that you you touched on that. I mean, that's kind of the theme of this book. When mm-hmm. when I read through it, is this idea of loneliness. Talk to me about that. Am I crazy, um, or is are we just cross this threshold of loneliness? I feel like we're asking our bodies to do things that no bodies have been asked to do in human history, which is do everything alone. You know, uh, we we are, do have an epidemic of loneliness, and we're lonely even when we're with each other. Right. You, you, you know, uh, somebody asked me in an interview, why why do I think that college American college kids anyway get drunk all the time every time they go out with each other? I mean, shit face drunk. And, and, and I say, well, because they don't know how to be with each other. There you go. Yeah. They, don't, they don't have a simple, they don't know how to have a conversation with each other. So no, we're lonely by ourselves and we're lonely when with other people too. And the book Us is a critique of what I call the toxic culture of individualism. Me, mm. mine. And we have to wake up to understand that we humans are not built to be alone. I start with our brains. Our neuro- we, we neurobiologically do not self-regulate. Our brains interact with other brains all day long, and we need to, or we go nuts. If you want to look at a so-called free, rugged, freestanding individual, look at somebody in solitary confinement. Yeah. They go crazy. Yes. Our brains need other brains to communicate or we go uh, haywire. So we need each other. And what I say, John, is our relationships are our biosphere. We are in it. We, we, are, we breathe uh, uh, those. Uh, so you can choose in your marriage, for example, to pollute your biosphere by having a temper tantrum over here. Uh, but you're going to breathe in that pollution in your partner's withdrawal or lack of sexuality. Mm. You're connected. The culture of individualism teaches us we're not in it. We're apart from it. We're individuals. And that goes along with patriarchy, which, you know, I've been writing about 30 years. Mm. It says we're not only apart from nature, we dominate it. We're above it and we control it whether we control our wives or our kids or our bodies, I got to lose 10 pounds or our heads. I've got to be less negative. It's control, control, control. And what I say in the book is that the model of dominance and control is lethal. Hmm. It will make a mess of our relationships. It screws up our self-esteem, our relationship with ourselves. It will screw up our planet if we're not careful. We must trade in this delusion of being above our, our, our relationships and lording it over them for what I call ecological humility. We're in the damn thing. We breathe it. You know, I got these big burly guys and they say to me, hey, why should I have to work so hard to make my wife happy? And I go, knock, knock. <laughs> you live with them, okay? <laughs> oh, my good. So talk to me about friendship then. Um, going back to skill set, one of the most, co- probably the number one common question I get is, I'm 41 and I don't have any friends or I'm 37 and I don't know how to make friends. And we, we, you know, we grow up in elementary school, middle school, high school, college. It's all, everything's communally oriented. Right. And then they dump you out into the real world and say, kill or be killed. 
how important is having friends outside of a romantic relationship? Oh my God, it's critical. And it takes a lot of the burden off of the romantic relationship. Oh, it's so good to hear you say that. Okay. Tell me more about that. Really, for guys, so many guys put all their eggs in one basket. You know, the only one who soothes them, the only one who listens to them, the only one who cheer, cheerleads them is their uh, is their romantic partner. Go get some friends for Christ's sake. <laughs> yes, dude, it makes my heart feel good. But you have to. You have to break that membrane. And I and I and I teach guys this. You have to, you know, yeah, okay, sports and politics, that's good. Talking about your kids is, is a little better. But uh, you know what? Actually, you know, uh my wife and I had a fight the other week. Mm -hmm. And uh uh it really rattled me. Mm. Or uh, I, uh, I'm having a health scare and uh, I'm a little scared. Or I just looked in the mirror. Damn, I'm old. I don't win it. Take the thing a little deeper. Dare to be a little more personal. Yeah. And this is what I say. Do that. You know, look, you may not have friends, but you damn well have acquaintances. Mm -hmm. So drive those acquaintance relationships a little deeper. Mm -hmm. And if you do that with four people, Two of them will let you know that they're not interested at all. One of them will change the subject, and one of them will go, oh, man, that's terrible. Tell me more about it. Or, oh, yeah, I've been looking kind of old myself. And that is your new friend. Right. Do that and, and dare to drive things a little deeper, but it's that same thing. You have to risk vulnerability, whether it's with your romantic partner or with a pal. It, it has to go a little deeper than, you know, what iron are you going to use? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it makes me feel so good. It makes me feel like I'm not crazy. Thank you so, so much. So let's talk trauma for just a second before we get into something I've been wanting to talk to you about since I read this first book. Um, how would you define trauma? Injury, hurt. And, um, but is hurt that lands on you in a way that freezes you. Uh, uh, you, you don't get over it. You, you, uh, you, you cauterize it, you corral it. And, uh, and it stays there. And, uh, and then you adapt to it. We're very uh, resilient creatures. So, um, uh, Maybe I talk about fight, flight, freeze, or fix. Hmm. Uh, and uh, maybe when you were hurt, maybe my dad was, as you know from the first book, was a depressed, angry, violent guy. And uh, and I'm a fighter. And so uh, Belinda criticized, my wife criticizes me. Uh, the immediate thing that happens is that little three, four-year-old in me gets activated and I'm that little boy and she's my screaming critical father. Mm -hmm. I'm right back there. The thing to know about trauma is you don't remember it, you relive it. Yeah. You're back there. It's in your body, right? Body, right. So I'm in the, I'm back being that three-year-old. I have like a lot of people about two seconds worth of tolerance for that young wounded place. And I click right into action and I go into the adaption 
that I uh, created at that early age. I fight. Mm-hmm. So is, um, I had some good disagreements um, recently on this topic. How would you classify yelling? Is yelling, I, I'll just spill the beans. I think yelling is abuse. I think yelling can be traumatic, um, particularly when it's, when there's, there's power differential there. Um, I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to be corrected here. Am I, am I overselling yelling? Um, it seems to be one of those things that goes unnoticed in homes that just has ripple effects through family generations there. You know, um, it depends on the energy of it. Okay. Uh, you could be a big Italian family. Hey, come on, get, get your ass down here. Come on. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and, and then everybody's laughing five minutes later and the volume isn't what's so important. If, if yelling is uh, connected to a personal attack, mm. you're an asshole. You've always been a f- asshole. That's a whole different story. There we go. Okay. So it's not necessarily the volume itself. It's what's it about. What, what, what's going on in the interaction. Excellent. Okay. So I want to turn right here for a minute and talk about the state of therapists today. Um, one of my, as a, as a, somebody who's trained to train counselors, I love, you, you don't mind shaking up the snow globe on traditional psychotherapy. And in fact, almost demand that it'd be done differently if we want to continue to help people. Yeah. be done differently. So when I look at modern therapy in some ways that it's been really helpful in some ways it's failed us, um, here's a couple of things I've noticed over your work that I'd love to talk through. One is this idea of talk versus action. Um, we come from this world that we can just talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. And if you just have this, the right thoughts about something, it magically is different. You take a different approach. You give people, you have to do this stuff differently. Talk to me about that. Well, it's in the doing. Uh, you know, my dad uh, weighed about 250 pounds. He had a giant pot belly, uh, but he was an expert uh, on exercise. He'd read every exercise book in the world. <laughs> 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 we used to say in the family, he had the best exercise eyeballs in town. You got to do this stuff. You can't just sit around and think about it. Where do we get sideways there? Where 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 do we get? Uh, where did the where did the field jump the tracks there? I don't know, and I don't care. This is my message to you. Oh, I love that. Good for you. That's awesome. I don't care. Uh, people always tell you that relationships take work, but nobody tells you what it is. Yeah. And here's what I want to tell you and your listener: the work of relationships is not even day to day. It's minute minute Hmm. in this minute right now when i'm triggered and i want to talk about that in a minute when i'm triggered when the automatic response that adaptation comes over me fight flight freeze or fix what am i going to do am i just going to roll with it and start screaming at my wife or am i going to you know, stonewall and shut the conversation down the way I always do? Am I going to do the same damn thing I always do? And by the way, get the same result I always got. Well, in this moment, right now, am I going to take a breath, reach for a different part of me? It's literally a different part of your brain. Do some breathing. We do a lot of breathing in relational work. 
Take a walk around the block. Take a take a break. We talk a lot about taking breaks. Get recentered in the part of me that has my head on straight, and then come back into the fray. I talk, John, about what I call remembering love. Mm-hmm. Remembering that the person you're speaking to is someone you love, and the reason why you're speaking is to make things better. Somebody said, wait, why am I talking? If that's why you're talking, you're good. If that's not why you're talking, I have great advice for you. You ready? <laughs> Go for it. No, no. <laughs> Oh, man. So you can walk around the block and get yourself recentered until you do remember what this is about. It's literally a different part of your brain that you have to get into. But I, I, I feel like our culture has told a generation or two or three of people that you can't con- you can't control that. Yeah, right. That's the news of my book. Like you can't, you can't control, like, sorry, man, it's just how I am. I'm just being me. My feelings are valid. So I'm just, I'm deciding I'm going to vomit them all over you. I, I, I'm just calling bull crap on the whole thing. We have to look at people and say, right. And say, no, no, no. I'm, you have to, somebody called recently and said, how do I stop yelling? I said, stop yelling. Right. I don't want to overcomplicate this. Stop yelling. Decide I'm a person who never yells. Right. Terry, how, how do we fix the, it's a cultural disempowerment that you, have no control over you. And um, I don't know, I don't know, I don't even know where to start other than just to launch in and say, no, you can, you can, do, you can do something different. When it comes to these hot moments, you may need to take a break. Right. Go, you should go to my website if I can. Of course. My name, terryreal.com, T-E-R-R-Y-R-E-A-L. I have a one pager on the 10 commandments on how to take a time out. Take a timeout if you need to, a formal timeout. You can stay out all day long if you need. I'll tell you a story. I was working with a gal, little little slip of a thing, very, very, but she was a rager, man, yelling, screaming, throwing plates, at, I mean, the whole thing. And she'd been raised by a rager. And uh, we talked about ending the legacy of violence for her, her husband, and her kids. And I taught her how to take a timeout. You have to check it. It's all written down. You have to check in 15 minutes, an hour, three hours, a half a day, a whole day, and overnight. All right. She started the rage. She locked herself in her bedroom. This is absolutely true story. She said, I'm not getting out and inflicting this on my family. I'm done with this rage. She gave herself a timeout. She did breathing. She had a little chance with her little girl who was so angry. She did all the stuff. Would she feel great? Walk over to the bedroom door, grab the handle of the door to open the door, and woof, the rage would come back. Hmm. She was in that bedroom for a day and a half. Hmm. Every 15, 20 minutes, she'd walk to the door, think she had a knock, and woof, that rage would come back. Her husband, bless his heart, uh, gave her a little plate, you know, with a sandwich and potato chips. <laughs> <laughs> Slid it under the door like Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shut the door. Anyway, she came out the next morning and it was over. Mm. All control. And she never raged again. 
so what I tell people is if you stand there, you may not be able to control what comes out of your mouth, but you do have control. You can turn around. If you agree to it in advance, your partner knows what's going on and let you go. You turn heel and you get the hell out. That's called a timeout. And what you have to understand, if you're one of these people who spills all this crap out, your children are watching. Uh, this is probably how you grew up. You don't want to hand this down. There's an old saying, pass this back or pass it on. There's nothing. This is what I tell my clients. And I'm a rager. I'm a rager in recovery. In that moment, I don't care what the damn point is. There is nothing more important than breaking the chain of this legacy of violence. Stop the violence, the emotional violence, and everything else is everything else. Concentrate on that. Keep your mouth shut and get the hell out until you can control yourself. I love that. There's something so profound about a never again moment, even if it takes a day and a half or two days or what. That's that's incredible. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. One of the most common questions I get on my show is how do you get something off your chest, right? Like a deep secret that you've never told anyone. Or maybe it's something that happened to you. Or maybe it's something you've done that you're ashamed about or worried because you know bringing this to light is going to cause disruption across your life. All of us, every single one of us, have things both big and small that we need to get off our chest from time to time. And I say this all the time, secrets will kill you. But it's often so hard to know where to start. If you need to get something off your chest and you don't have a safe person to talk to, you may want to try therapy. Therapy is a safe, effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say scary and hard things out loud, and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. I have personally been blessed to have a great therapist who I can talk to and who helps me get those heavy things off my chest. And if you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, it's convenient, it's super flexible, and it's suited to fit your schedule, whatever your schedule happens to be. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra money. Listen, it's time to get those secrets off your chest. Start with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. Uh, one more thing that, that sets you apart from other therapists, there's many, many things. One of them is... And this is this made me smile the first time I read it, and I just have come to love it. You take sides. Let's talk about that in a therapy session. So for those for the listener, therapists are trained and not not trained. It is it is this is cast in stone and etched on your soul. You are simply a neutral third party, and you let people have their interactions. Um, you let people bring in, in a singular session. They bring their own level of X Y Z to you, and if you take sides, it's can be considered unethical. And what I have found is it's unethical to let somebody sit there and drown in a session um, with this hope that, that, that truth somehow materializes in the room. And you have said no more, right? Talk to me about that. No more. Listen, you can have a uh, alcoholic, rager, bipolar, untreated uh, person uh, with no medication, no, no treatment for their alcoholism, no treatment for their rage. And the other person's quote unquote contribution is guess what? They're there. I mean, this is bullshit. 
Not all problems are 50-50. And in the work I do, and I train therapists all over the country, if you're a therapist listening, come to my website and train with us. We have a two-year training program. It's great. And not only me, but all relational life therapists, the method I've created, take sides. Not We're, we're, we're perfectly happy to say, uh, 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 Bill, uh, you're a nut. Uh, and, and, and Sylvia, you're an even bigger nut, and here's why. Uh, Bill, uh, e- 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 when your wife confronts you, you pull down the shade, uh, you stop, uh, you break connection, you you're, take no responsibility for anything. Of course she goes out of her mind. Oh, and by the way, Jill, you go out of your mind. You scream and Now look, I'll help you with, with Bill's distance, but anybody's going to be distant if you're standing there screaming at them. Mm-hmm. So you go first. Let's calm you down and uh, stop your verbal abuse, and then I'll work with your husband. And yes, we take turns. We call it like we see it. And um, this nonsense of, well, what do you think? Well, what do you think? Well, what do you-? No, no, no. <laughs> Oh, this is a revolutionary way of, of working. And I go around the country telling uh, therapists that it's a huge design flaw in therapy. And, you know, partner A brings partner B in to see me to render them more livable, more relational. And uh, it, it, most couples there say, oh, we don't take that on. That's for individuals. No, we're in the personality transplant business. Oh, I like that. I want to turn your partner into a connected, sensitive, responsive, relational human being. You bring them to me and I'll take care of it. And it's often a woman bringing in a man, but not always. But when they do, you know, you know this, John, I specialize in couples on the brink of divorce that no one else has been able to help. And when I take on the difficult partner, And I say, here's what I say. Listen, if I'm dealing, let's do it straight up. It's not always this way, but let's do a heterosexual couple where the woman is the unhappy one and the guy is taking liberties. A womanizer, a drinker, uh, irresponsible, a rager, whatever. And I say to the woman, you've been heard today. And the woman is often angry. I'll say to the guy, an angry woman is a woman who hasn't been heard. Then I'll turn to the woman. You've been heard today. I got him. Everything you're saying about him is true. I get it. Now, but you are not going to get through to him. I will. Hmm. You give it to me. Your job is to relax, breathe, and see if you can enjoy the sound of a gun a little bit. because. Hmm. But I will take him on and I'll teach him how to do this and when i do i gotta tell you it's not like whatever but 99 out of 100 times the other partner man or woman who's brought the person in it cries yeah from relief and they say we brought this person to six other therapists and not one of them have taken them on Mm -hmm. it's almost like you're you're restoring the the parental role that should have been there 25 or 35 years ago that looked at that little kid and said, Hey, I've, I'm, I got this. You're okay. Yeah, that's right. And also the parental that says to the, uh, the, 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 the jerk. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. It's both. 
Oh, man, I love it. All right, let's spend um, the last few minutes we got. Tell me about this new book. Obviously, it was written during a time of chaos. Can I, can I make one observation about this? Yeah. And I can edit it out if you don't want me to, to put it in here. One, phenomenal work here. This has a, there was a sense of optimism in your first couple of books. This one felt more like a sense of realism. Like some mm-hmm. of these things, like I, I had, I, I, as I was going through it, I, I thought, I wonder if Terry looks, is looking and saying, okay, this thing is just, in the 90s, we thought we could stop the thing from running. It's running now. So here's how to live with it running the way it is. Am I, am I out to lunch there? Is that there's an underlying sentiment there that just felt this book was different than your other ones? I don't think it's pessimistic, John. Here's what I think. To be perfectly honest, I think that, um, I think that we're in the middle of uh, a society at war with itself. Yeah. I think that the dominance, individualistic power over model that we all grew up with, part of masculinity, and it's regional. But I think that that dominance model uh, it, it plays havoc it, with our relationship with ourselves. You know, I got to lose 10 pounds. I got to stop thinking like this uh, in our relationship to our uh, uh, those who love us. We try and control our kids, our, our partners, our planet. Um, and we're either going to trade in uh, that model for uh, a, a, a model of interdependence. We live with each other. Hmm. We, live, we live with nature, not above it and in control of it. And I think that there, the two factions... Uh, one heading uh, toward a different view of our relationship to nature and one very much reasserting a very old traditional view are, are, are fighting with each other right now. I love it. Uh, I think that uh, which side wins, a collaborative model versus a dominance model, uh, will have a lot to do with the kind of society we're all living in uh, a hundred years from now and the planet we're on a hundred years from now to yeah. see nothing of uh, uh, how we feel between our ears and how we feel with others. You know, I'm proud to say that none other than Bruce Springsteen wrote the forward. I know, this. man. I saw that. It's incredible. Congratulations, man. He starts the forward with a quote. Uh, from from the book, which I think in some ways summarizes the book. The quote he picked was this, uh, this world does not belong to us. We belong to one another. Love and it. we're either going to figure that out or the consequences are going to be dire. Yeah. And and to the listener, there that sounds um, in some ways like, oh, okay, or subtle, it is a 180-degree transformative way of experiencing everything, right, and living into everything. It's a, it's such a radical shift. I think it's so radical, it's hard to even see it sometimes. Um, you know, and one of the things I'm proud about is that I give you the map, how to live as if you're inside the relationship, not outside of it. But I also give you tools, very concrete tools. That's the beauty, yes. You give, you yeah. give us a, 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 a play-by-play, right? This is... The, um, 
It's as though you and I are sitting down together. Like we can't all we can't all have you as our personal relationship therapist, but it's this is pretty dang close, right? It's it's just right there together, man. Um what do you tell the woman whose husband is busy and he's kind and she quote unquote, I love him, but he's just separate. Give her a word of encouragement and then we'll flip the script here. <laughs> Stand up to the son of a gun. Hmm. Assert yourself. I want for women more, uh, I want women to be more proactive on the front end and less resentful on the back end. But you have to know how to do it with love. In our uh, patriarchal, individualistic culture, you either stand up for yourself or you love the guy and the relationship, but you don't do both at the same time. Brand new territory. I said I give you tools. Here's a tool. It's called standing up for yourself with love. I love you, honey. I'm beginning to build up a bunch of resentment. I'm feeling turned off sexually. I'm not feeling close to you. I want to be close to you. I want to be your lover. I need more from you so that the juices can continue to flow between us. Don't you want that too? What can I do to help you come through for me? Try that one. What can <laughs> This is the brave new world. What can I do? To help you come through for me. Who sounds like that unless they've read the book and they've learned how to? Oh, it's incredible. So let's flip it um, to the husband whose um, wife has gotten really busy and she's um, running around from thing to thing to thing and he can feel her losing confidence in herself. Give that guy a piece of encouragement. Um. Listen to her. Let her be the lead. Uh, don't be her professor. Don't be her daddy. Uh, and, and, you know, if the issue really is that you think she's losing confidence in herself, tell her that that's what you're saying and that's what you're, that's the story you're telling yourself. But with humility, not like the expert, you know, God's gift. On the other hand, I hate to tell you, but what you might be really saying underneath that is, honey, I miss you. There you go. <laughs> yes, there it is. Man. You're, so busy. you're so busy with this, that, and the other thing. You're so buried in the kids. Uh, how about a little lost time? Yeah. And I do believe that American culture is way too child-centric. Take some time off. Get a babysitter. Go to a hotel. You know, you want to improve your sex life, take her someplace sexy for a weekend and treat her like a queen. Uh, in this business, it, it, we give too much away to everybody else and our romantic relationship is last in the time creditor line. Give it some air to breathe and give it some cherishing. Oh, my gosh. Well, this is a... Um... I was going to say, Korea, this is a personal highlight. Um, it's, you're, you're an absolute treasure and a gift, and I'm grateful for your time and for um, everybody listening to this. Um, you will th- think to yourself, I thought, Deloney, you've been saying that. I know. I got it from, from Terry. That's where I came from. So, uh, man, what a gift. So where can people pick up this book? It's, it's in presale now, right? Yeah, you can order. You can go to Amazon and pre-order. Okay, it's coming out. When is this going to be uh, aired? Can I say? Um, they're they're the producers looking at me. May twenty seventh. 
Okay, it's coming out the following week, June 7th. Very good. Uh, uh, but um, uh, pre-order it now, and um, uh, this is a good time to order it. Yes. Well, yeah. hey, I am super grateful for you. Um, thank you for your time, and I wish you all the best, and uh, I hope you sell several million copies of this book, man. Fantastic. Well, thank you. I think it deserves it. And uh, thank you for your work. I really appreciate it. Oh, hey, real quick. Before before we wrap up every show, always end with the song of the day. What is your favorite song ever? Do you have a favorite song ever? Uh, my favorite song ever has got to be Bruce Springsteen's The Rising. Oh, gosh. What an incredible... That whole record was incredible. Man, you just became... I didn't think you could get cooler, man. You roll in here with a really cool necklace, and then you drop Springsteen. Good grief. All right, that's how we'll wrap up today's show, man. Hey, thank you, my brother. I'm grateful for you, and uh, take care, and um, good health, and lots of laughter and joy. Thank you. It goes both ways. You, you keep doing well. Take care. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, we are back, and as we wrap up the show with the one and only Terry Reel, man, he picked a doozy. What an extraordinary song. This one's um, by the boss, Bruce Springsteen, and the song's called The Rising, and it goes like this. Can't see nothing in front of me. Can't see nothing coming up behind. Make my way through this darkness. I can't feel nothing but this chain that binds me. Lost track of how far I've gone, how far I've gone, how high I've climbed on my back. It's a 60-pound stone on my shoulder, a half-mile line. Come on up for the rising. Come on up, lay your hands in mine. Come on up for the rising tonight. There's spirits above and behind me, faces gone black, eyes burning bright. May their precious blood bind me. Lord, as I stand before your fiery light, come on up for the rising. Lay your hands in mine. We'll see you soon. Coming up on the next episode. The topic of my question is on gun ownership. And- <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> we're just going to come out. Uh, we're going to come out. Uh, we're going to slow roll this one out of the gate. Way to go. All right, let's yep, talk guns. Straight to the point. I didn't tell anyone for about a year and after it happened. And when I did tell my mom, um, she didn't believe me. You know, she asked me the typical questions like, what were you wearing? So you have the initial trauma, which is wrong. It's evil. And then you turn to the one remaining adult in your life and say, help. And she says, what were you wearing? 